Letters one to four of the history of Lady Barton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. The History of Lady Barton by Elizabeth Griffith letters one to four from lady barton to miss cleveland letter one lady barton to miss cleveland bangor ferry remote unfriended melancholy slow where mountains rise and where rude waters flow where'er i go whatever realms i see my heart untraveled fondly turns to thee still to my fanny turns with ceaseless pain and drags at each remove a lengthening chain how much am i indebted to the author of these beautiful lines for having expressed my present feelings so much better than i could myself the address was originally made to a brother there can therefore be no impropriety in applying them to a sister and such a one as mine you desired me my fanny to write to you from every stage this is the first moment i have had to myself one of sir william's most favourite maxims is that women should be treated like state criminals and utterly debarred the use of pen and ink he says that those who are fond of scribbling are never good for anything else that female friendship is a jest and that we only correspond or converse with our own sex for sake of indulging ourselves in talking of the other why sir william why will you discover such illiberal sentiments to one who has been so lately prevailed upon to pronounce those awful words love honour and obey the fulfilling the two first articles of this solemn engagement must depend upon yourself the latter only rests on me and i will most sanctimoniously perform my part of the covenant yes my sister i will stifle the rising sigh and wipe away the wayward tear that steals involuntarily down my cheek from the fond recollection of those dear friends that i have left behind me would to nature that the objects necessarily followed their affections or else retained them with themselves instead of suffering remembrance like a tyrant or pursue the unhappy traveller adding anxiety to fatigue and grief to danger sir william has met with some gentlemen of his acquaintance here he presented them to me and i could see that he seemed pleased at that sort of approbation which is expressed by looks 
at first sight of a person who happens to please us there would be something flattering in the idea which i should wish to cherish if i did not fear that his pleasure arose more from vanity than affection yet why should i think so has he not pursued me with unabated ardour near two years and triumphed over the repeated refusals of my friends and self by the most obstinate perseverance but might not vanity be still thou restless busy perturbed spirit and no longer seek to investigate an humiliating cause for an event which is irrevocably past these gentlemen then that i told you of are to join company with us for the remainder of our journey and voyage there is one of them a lord something i forgot his title who is just returned from making the grand tour his person is elegant i think him both in face and figure vastly like colonel stanford i suppose this young nobleman will be the bonton of this winter in dublin it may therefore be of some use to a stranger as i shall be to be known to him i shall not however cultivate the present opportunity as i have left the room determined not to return on pretence of a headache in order to tell my dear fanny what she already knows that i am her more than sister her affectionate and faithful friend louisa barton p s love to my brother and to my dear mary granville but i charge you not to shrew my letters even to either of them letter two lady barton to miss cleveland holyhead will you not doubt my veracity fanny when i tell you that three days spent in this dullest and most disagreeable of villages have not appeared tedious to me there is certainly a wonderful charm in variety of situations every change produces new assemblage of ideas and actuates the mind with curiosity comparison and inquiry the wildness or even horror of this place for we have had a perpetual storm is so strongly contrasted with the mild scenes of cleveland hall or indeed any other part of england that i have seen that one would scarce think it possible for a few days journey to transport us in such extremes of the sublime and beautiful i am persuaded that all the inhabitants of wales must be romantic there never was any place appeared so like enchanted ground and the scenes shift upon you as quick as in pantomime from the stupendous bleak and barren hills 
of cambria you are almost instantly transported into fertile and laughing valleys there never was a richer and more beautiful view than that of the vale of clyde i am not at all surprised that poetry took its rise in this part of britain the ancient druids could not be at a loss for poetic images every object they saw must have inspired them and exceeded both in beauty and wildness whatever supportive fancy could have invented or creative genius drawn forth from the storehouse of imagination i think that even i seem to be possessed with a kind of poetic rapture while i describe these charming scenes but i will not anticipate the pleasure that i hope you will yourself receive from them next summer though i already forestall the much higher delight i shall feel on seeing my dear fanny at southfield sir william has been in great spirits ever since we have been here and highly pleased at a very trifling mark of my obedience he proposed riding out the morning after we came and though there was a high wind and a drizzling rain i made not the least objection to mounting one of the little welsh palfreys and clambering up the hills at his request our fellow-travellers lord lucan and colonel walter accompanied us i have described the former to you the latter is remarkably handsome but with a peculiar expression in his countenance which is not the result of his features but seems to arise from the predominance of a particular passion in his mind in short it is that sort of expression which has made you and me dislike so many handsome men the colonel is to be our neighbor in the country he is now going to ireland to take possession of his estate and a seat in parliament for a borough he never saw i am no politician or i should amniavert a little upon this subject this self-same colonel has just tapped at my door to tell me that the wind veers a little and that sir william desires i will hold myself in readiness to embark i obey adieu my fanny louisa barton p s i forgot to tell you that lord lucan was at paris when we were there last year he has made me smile two or three times by his pathetic manner of lamenting his not knowing me then i tell him that he may date his acquaintance from what era he pleases as our living together at an inn has brought on greater intimacy in four days than almost as many years could have affected in his usual course of meeting at operas routs etc 
but he sighs out a rueful oh canon and the colonel laughs to shrew his white teeth and superior understanding i come sir william adieu adieu letter three lady barton to miss cleveland dublin what scenes of distress have i gone through since i concluded my last letter to my dear fanny we embarked aboard the packet boat with what they called a shifting gale and to do the captain justice he was unwilling to sail but sir william and colonel walter were both impatient and their impetuosity as it generally does triumphed over our calmer reason we had not been three hours at sea before there arose so violent a storm that the captain said it was impossible for the ship to weather it six hours he was however mistaken for it continued six and thirty during which time we had been driven upon the northern coast of ireland and it was then to be feared that we should beat to pieces on the rocks there was a great number of passengers on board and their groans and lamentations would have affected me extremely in any other situation but the violent and continued sickness which i suffered rendered me insensible even to my own danger nor did i feel the smallest emotion when lord lucan who had seldom left my bedside caught hold of my hand with a degree of wildness and pressing it to his lips said we must perish but we shall die together the captain had fired guns of distress upon our approaching the shore and a fishing boat came to our relief into which the passengers crowded so fast that the gentlemen were obliged to draw their swords to prevent their sinking it how i got into the boat i do not know but i found myself there rolled up in lord lucan's roquelaire and my head supported by sir william's knee there were two other ladies in the boat with us the youngest of whom a miss leicester seemed to be if possible worse than i but i will not detain you longer in this scene of horror where we expected to be swallowed up by the waves that came rolling on us like moving mountains every moment till we reached the shore behold us then landed upon what may almost be called a desert island for it's entirely surrounded by an arm of the sea and uninhabited by everything but a few goats and some fishermen who are almost as wild as they it was about four o'clock in the morning when we arrived at this dismal place and such a morning for darkness rain and wind i never saw neither miss leicester nor i could stand much less walk and the gentlemen were obliged to carry us in their arms 
by turns for nearer two miles till we arrived at some of the huts where the hospitable cottagers received us with that sort of surprise which i imagine we should feel if an order of higher beings were to descend by miracle to visit us but be their kindness never forgot by me and may their beds of straw smoky rafters yield them such soft and balmy sleep as they afforded to my harassed frame let them never envy those that toss on down i did not wake till near ten in the morning which was then as mild as it had been tempestuous when i retired to rest lord lucan and miss leicester were seated on a little bank without side the door of the cottage where i slept to prevent any person from disturbing me as soon as they heard me move miss leicester came in to offer her assistance in dressing me she smiling said that breakfast was prepared for me in a large drawing-room and under the finest canopy she had ever seen then led me by the hand to the bank where she had been sitting i was surprised to see tea there which though made in wooden vessels appeared to me more delicious than any that i had ever drank out of the finest dresden china lord lucan told me that sir william the rest of the gentlemen and mrs leighton who was miss leicester's aunt were gone to reconnoitre la carte de paille de la terre inconnue au nu etant and that now he had seen me so happily recovered he would try to join them i found that another boat had arrived from the ship and that our servants and a part of our baggage were come when my poor benson saw me she cried for joy and indeed nothing but the state of insensibility in which i quitted the vessel could have made me leave her behind upon inquiring we were told that there were neither horses or carriages of any kind to be had to convey us out of the island but that we might cross in a boat to a piece of land that lay opposite to one side of it which when we reached was eight miles from any town or village as soon as i had changed my clothes miss leicester and i set out to meet or overtake our company to confer about the difficulties of our sad situation i will bring you acquainted with miss leicester in my next letter and for the present i will call her lucy for i am sure i shall love her and in that case i hate the formality of miss suppose us now to have walked about a mile and a half without discovering any object but the sea which surrounded us when to our great delight we spied land 
though still divided from us by a gulf we thought impassable we stood however on the shore inventing a thousand impracticable schemes to cross this tremendous hell-spout but never once thought of the only possible one though we had been told of it we at last grew weary of indulging our visions and lucy who i find is extremely romantic said that were she in my situation she could with the utmost pleasure think of passing her days on the spot we were thrown on for that the constant presence of the beloved object must render any place an eden to her i told her that if we were fated to remain there that either lord lucan or colonel walter would i hope make this spot a paradise to her on her own plan she wiped away a starting tear and said that was impossible at that instant a new object roused our attention we perceived a gentleman well mounted and attended by a couple of servants on the opposite shore lucy put up a most fervent ejaculation that he might have night errantry enough to cross the river and rescue us from our melancholy situation her prayer was heard he swam his horse across the flood and lucy called him a second leander he came up to us with infinite politeness and address and told us that the mail which had been put on shore with us had been forwarded to his father who was the next justice of peace and lived about twelve miles from thence that by that means he became acquainted with our distress and had sent his carriage as far as the roads were passable with a number of saddle horses to bring us to his house i confess i was charmed with this instance of hospitality and generosity i hope i should have been as much pleased with it had i only heard it related without having benefited by it there is nothing affects my heart so much as benevolent actions i will flatter myself that this is owing to unnatural sympathy we made all the acknowledgments that our joy would permit and walked or rather ran back to our cottage with the stranger where we met our company and many more of the passengers who had come in the second boat from the ship mr matthew's servants were by this time come up to us and opened two large baskets of provisions cold meats wine tea etc every person seemed surprised and overjoyed while universal gladness diffused itself through our little colony lucy appeared almost frantic with delight the common occurrences of life 
appear like enchantment to some minds but there was an elegant simplicity mingled with her transports that rendered them extremely pleasing i have now my dearest fanny delivered you from the painful anxiety you must have suffered from the first part of my letter my next i hope shall transport you to more pleasing scenes in the meantime rest assured that through every change of circumstance or situation i shall remain unalterably yours l barton i long to hear from you pray tell me have you heard from the continent and how and where lord hume now is letter four lady barton to miss cleveland for the present i will continue my letters journal-wise as miss bryan calls it but i cannot for my life be circumstantial and carry you up and down stairs to the parlor the drawing-room the harpsichord the card-table etc 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 suppose us then to have crossed the so much dreaded arm of the sea with some difficulty and less danger that we have performed our twelve miles journey through rugged roads and over hills and dales and are at last safely arrived at mr matthew's very handsome seat welcomed by him and his lady and a very numerous family of sons and daughters grown up to men and women's estate on our entrance we were shrewn into a room where there was a table laid with all kinds of breakfasts that could be pleasing or necessary to the sick or healthful appetite and were informed that there were beds prepared for any of the company who might require rest after their fatigue the offer was declined by us all for the present but the whole company which amounted to eighteen ladies and gentlemen besides servants accepted mr matthew's invitation to spend the day and night at his house except colonel walter who said he would go on to newry the next great town and send us carriages from thence from the first notion that you could conceive of our generous hosts you must believe that we were very politely and elegantly entertained but neither your idea nor my description can do justice to their hospitality they have given me the most favorable impressions of this country on my first entering it but even sir william who is partial to his native land says i am not to expect a whole nation of such fools i think he said hi ho this is my only comment the manners and behavior of this worthy and amiable family were expressive of the sincerest pleasure at having it in their power to relieve our distress 
may they or theirs never know any lucy was in raptures with the young ladies both she and i flatter ourselves with a prospect of much pleasure from a future intimacy with mrs matthews and her daughters next morning our carriages a coach and four and several post-chaises arrived and we took a grateful and affectionate leave of our kind hosts our journey had nothing remarkable in it except colonel walters waiting for us at the first stage we came to which considering the hurry he effected when he left us was rather an overstrained piece of politeness arising i imagine from a supposition that his company was of some consequence to the party and perhaps he is not mistaken lucy's aunt mrs layton a good agreeable and well-jointured relic about six-and-thirty seems to admire him much she speaks italian badly he is master of the language and she is forever applying to him to correct her pronunciation who knows but he may find pleasure in instructing so hopeful a pupil the colonel is what is called a woman's man he has lived a good deal abroad and has a superficial knowledge of almost every science his head may be aptly enough compared to the drawer of a lady's writing table which contains a little of everything i have this moment looked into mine to see if the allusion is just its contents are a miniature picture of sir william with a slight crack in the enamel and the catch that fastens the bracelet broken my housekeeper's accounts a little billet from lucy a french song and the colonel gave me some scented sealing wax writing paper message cards and a pocket book with scissors penknife pencil blank leaves etc i do really think that this fargo of materials conveys a very expressive image of what i would describe i hope you will think so too and henceforth acknowledge the colonel as an acquaintance i promised in my last to give you a sketch of my lucy but i find i am not equal to the task for even in her outward appearance there is a variability that renders it almost impossible to draw an exact resemblance of her at some times you would think that her form and face were designed to personify vivacity dip in the rainbow trick her off in air at other times a soft melancholy usurps the place of gaiety so that at different eras she may pass alternately for a melopom or a thaya yet she is agreeable 
under both these characters and i by no means think her temper changeable but am rather inclined though sorry to believe that these transitions are rather the effect of peculiar circumstances that natural constitution i know she is in love but i should suppose that to be rather a consistent passion where the flame is mutual and i should be tempted almost to despise her or any other woman in the world who continued still to love without sympathy for true love is a passion of that extraordinary nature as some author has well expressed it that it requires the felicity of two persons to render one happy without being positively handsome the men all like her she has good eyes hair and teeth a lively though not a fine complexion and a form that may justly be styled elegant though small and now my dear fanny let me speak of and to yourself it is above a month since i left london i have been a fortnight in dublin and have not received a single line from you or any of the other dear friends i parted from in dover street they tell me something about contrary winds for my own peace i will believe them but if i am to remain in this island much longer under such suspense i shall be tempted to sell my jewels and send the money to lapland to purchase i know not whether it is to be an easterly or a westerly wind but it shall be a fair gale to waft your letters to me for the story of aeolus and ulysses you know is quite an errant fiction your impatient but truly affectionate louisa barton End of Letters 1 to 4. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.